May God speak to you through today's message from Pastor Ryan Loxmo. Well, good morning. Welcome to Parkway Fellowship. I'm really glad you're with us today. And I also want to say a special welcome to our North Campus. I had an absolute blast hanging out with y'all last week, and it's so encouraging to see what God is doing uh, in our North Campus. So glad you're here as well. In this series, what we're doing is we're looking at five people in the Bible that by all accounts were complete lost causes. They appeared to have nothing to offer. People didn't think God would ever love them, ever use them, welcome them into his family. They were just written off. But we are seeing in this series that God not only loved them, he used them mightily to achieve his purposes. And last week, we looked at Rahab, who was a prostitute in the city of Jericho, and we saw that God used her to do something amazing, and that she ended up becoming a leader in God's people. Afterwards, she became the great-grandmother of King David, the greatest king of Israel, and she also is an ancestor of Jesus himself. I can remember a time uh, in my life when I felt like a lost cause. I was in 10th grade. I loved baseball, and this one season, I happened to be picked for a different team than I usually played for, and so I didn't know anybody on my team. All of my friends and like the people I usually played with were all on the other team. My team this season happened to be in last place, and my friend's team, guess what place they were in? Yeah, they were in first. So school was really fun during that season. I'll just say that was a lot of fun of taunting and and just mocking our team, and it got especially bad the week before our first matchup. I mean, the trash talking was off the charts. I remember they were just like, man, y'all should just forfeit. Just give up now. I mean, we're going to crush you. Hey, if you guys want to take a little tea out there and hit off the tea, if that helps you, go ahead and do that. I mean, it was so bad. I mean, our team, we were just lost causes. I mean, there was no way we even stood a chance. So the game finally arrived. I was super nervous about it. Um, The bleachers were all full, and I was chosen kind of last minute to be the starting pitcher. And so I'm up on the mound, and I'm scared and, and nervous about this whole deal. And I throw my first pitch, and it's a strike. I throw a second pitch, it's also a strike. Third pitch, struck the guy out. Game continues on. By the end of the game, only one guy had ever gotten on base, and he only made it to first. We won three to nothing. Yeah! (laughs) It still feels good to tell that story, I'm telling you. This whole sermon, it was just an excuse to tell that story. So it's really all just downhill from here. So I'll probably try to work it into my next sermon as well next time I preach. So just get used to it. Okay, listen, I know that's not a very serious example uh, of feeling like a lost cause. But I think we have all felt at times in our life like a lost cause, like an outcast. We're on the outside. Uh, Sometimes it's because of our sin. Sometimes it's because of things outside of our control. We just feel like... God doesn't love us, like he wouldn't use us, he doesn't care about us, we're outsiders, we're strangers, we can't be a part of God's family. Maybe we've all felt like that at one point or another. Maybe you don't feel like that right now, but you probably know somebody who does. But what we're learning in this series is that with God, there are no lost causes. There are no lost causes, and that is the truth, no matter how we feel about it. That is the truth. In fact, when you look at the Bible, we actually find that God specializes in using people who are outcasts, people that society says, hey, they've got nothing to offer. God looks at them and sees 
all kinds of things. He sees the things he cares about, the qualities that he cares about. In his eyes, there are no lost causes. And this morning, we're going to talk about a guy who is a perfect, perfect illustration of that point. I mean, he was an outcast, pure and simple. I mean, people literally hated him. But Jesus called him into his inner circle as one of his disciples. He made him part of his family. He handpicked this man. His name is Matthew, and uh, his influence really does echo into our lives even today. Uh, So let me set the stage for Matthew's story a little bit. In the first century, when Jesus lived, uh, the Romans ruled the world. They ruled everything. They had the best military, the best technology. Nobody could stop them. And so they just took over everything. And about 60 years before Christ was born, they took over Israel. And they did what you would expect. They went in there. They stationed troops there. They policed the nation. They brutally crushed any kind of rebellion that they thought was happening. And they kept the entire nation of Israel in perpetual poverty through their crushing taxes. I mean, you want to complain about your tax rates? Nothing compared to the Romans. I mean, literally, there were a handful of really rich Roman elites, and everybody else was poor. I mean, destitute. That's what it's like. And the Jews hated the Romans and the Roman occupation. Hated it. Can you imagine the hatred that they felt toward the people who actually took their money, the tax collectors? And can you imagine how much they hated Jews who signed up for that job? I mean, Those Jewish tax collectors were traitors, sinners, thieves. I mean, they were hated. Knowing all of that, pull out your message notes, and let's look at our first set of verses. It says, these are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who's called Peter, and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the tax collector. Underline that. Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon the zealot, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. And why do you think Matthew was the only person whose whose occupation was mentioned? Everybody else is just their name. His job is mentioned. Why do you think that is? It was a big deal. It was a huge deal. It was literally scandalous that Jesus would have a tax collector in his inner circle. I mean, he's not the kind of person you would think Jesus would choose if he were trying to get his message out there and gain a following. But we're going to get to know Matthew this morning, and we're going to see that even he, a total outcast, wasn't a lost cause in God's kingdom. So how can I go from feeling like an outcast to being a part of God's family? It's your first fill-in. I can follow Christ regardless of my past. I can follow Christ regardless of my past. So how did Matthew wind up as one of the 12 disciples? Uh, Let's back up a chapter, and we'll see how uh, Matthew first became a Christ follower. Matthew 9.9, it says, As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him. Underline that, follow me. Follow me, he told him. And Matthew got up and followed him. Underline that. Matthew got up and followed him. Now, the first thing to notice about this passage is that Jesus is the one that initiated 
that relationship. Jesus started it. Matthew didn't initiate anything. He's just sitting there. Tax collector, nobody's talking to him. Nobody likes him. He's an outcast. And Jesus approached him. Jesus initiated the relationship. He didn't see Matthew. It's just the outcast, the lost cause that everybody else saw when they looked at him. And Jesus has called each one of you in the same way. It doesn't matter if you've sinned. It doesn't matter if you feel like an outcast for some other reason. It does not affect the way God views you. He loves you and me, and he knows all of our shortcomings. And God calls you to follow him in spite of all that. I mean, that's really the good news. That's the gospel. That's how you become a part of God's family, is responding to the call that Christ has already made. That is what it means. Look, here's the good news. God created everything. He created the whole world, everything in it, including us. And we were his most prized creation. And he created us for the specific purpose of having a relationship with him. He loved us deeply. But the problem is that sin came into the world and separated us, put distance between us and God. God is perfect. We are not. God can't be in the presence of sinners. And so there was this distance. But even in that scenario, God did not view us as outcasts. He took drastic action to close the gap and bring us back together. And the way he did that was to send his one and only son, Jesus Christ, into this world to live a perfect life and to die on the cross. And and in dying on the cross, he paid the penalty once and for all for any sin you have ever committed or will commit and any sin I've ever committed or will commit. It's done. It's paid for. It's free. That is the gospel. And if you've never prayed a prayer um, to become a Christ follower, there's a sample prayer on the backside of your message notes at the bottom. If you've never prayed a prayer like that to respond to Christ's call and to come into God's family, today's the day. Pray that prayer. Christ has extended that invitation to you just like he did to Matthew. I mean, Matthew's call is a perfect illustration of the gospel. God didn't see Matthew just for his reputation or the fact that he was an outcast. He didn't see those as barriers. So let me ask you this. What are your barriers? What are the things in your life that you think are obstacles to you having a relationship with God or being a part of his family? Is it, is it behaviors in your life that you do that you just know are wrong and you feel like, okay, God doesn't really love me because look at what I do. Do you think that? Is that a barrier for you? Is it something in your family life and just hurt that you've caused there? You just feel like that puts you at a distance? Is it the way you handle your money? Is it something in your past that you're just ashamed of? Is it your self-centeredness or your lack of involvement in your kids' lives? Look, is it something else that I haven't listed but you're thinking of right now that you think is a barrier for you in really becoming a part of God's family? I got newsflash for you. God knows exactly what that thing is. He knows you. And he loves you in spite of whatever that is. Because here's the deal. God's love is not dependent on how you view yourself or how others view you. God's love is not dependent on how you view yourself or how others view you. It's not. Here's a great exercise I'm going to give you for this week. It'll take you 15 minutes. Make a list of all the things that you think make you an outcast or put you at distance from God, make a list of all those things and just be honest with yourself, be real. What are those things that you see as barriers? Make that list and then next to every single one, I want you to write the phrase, God loves me no matter how I feel. 
God loves me no matter how I feel. Because that's the truth. I mean, just make that list. I mean, just something like, you know, God, I feel so self-centered. You could never love me. And then right next to it, God loves me no matter how I feel. God, I'm just, I'm not a great parent. I'm not that involved in my kids' lives. Like, how could I ever be a part of your family? God loves me no matter how I feel. God, I've just wrecked my family through having an affair. There's no way we could ever come back from that. There's no way you would ever love me or use me or bring me into your family. God loves me no matter how I feel. Just write it down. And then take that list and put it in a prominent place where you're going to see it all the time and you can remind yourself of that truth because that is the truth. I mean, Matthew, he was the outcast of all outcasts from the world's perspective. He brought zero to the table in Jesus' ministry, only baggage. But Jesus called him to a changed life, and he had a purpose for him. He brought him into his family, into his inner circle, and you can follow Christ regardless of your past. There's a second thing we can do to stop feeling like an outcast, and it's your next fill-in. Celebrate the fresh start Christ has given me. Celebrate the fresh start Christ has given me. Okay, so Matthew responded to Jesus' call. He follows him. What happened next? Let's pick up in Luke 5. And before we get into it, just so you know, Matthew had two names that he was known by. One of them was a nickname, so he went by Matthew and Levi. So in this passage, when it says Levi, it's talking about Matthew. Okay, Luke 5, 29. Then Levi had a big feast. Underline that, big feast in his house for Jesus, and among the guests was a large number of tax collectors and other people. Underline, a large number of tax collectors and other people. Look, Matthew, he'd been this outcast, and Jesus called him, and he follows, and what's the first thing he does? He parties. I mean, he parties. He celebrates, and who did he invite? A bunch of other tax collectors. I love that picture, and Jesus is right there in the middle celebrating with him. He's just celebrating with him because, look, Matthew was celebrating the fresh start that Christ had given him, and, and, and he wanted to share that with his friends, the people around him. He wanted other people to know just what Christ had, had done for him. And so in his case, he threw this big banquet, this big feast. But in the New Testament, what we most consistently see when people celebrate is baptism. People become a Christ follower. They follow Christ. The first thing they do is they, they get baptized, and they just celebrate what Christ has done for them, and they proclaim it to the world. And here at the park, kind of our equivalent of Matthew's feast is baptism. And we get a bunch of people together. We baptize people. We celebrate what Christ has done for them among family and friends. It's amazing. If you've never been to a baptism here at the park, you really are uh, missing out. So uh, we got a short video I want to show you actually about baptism and what it looks like here at the park. Uh, So let's go ahead and roll that video. Baptism is one of the coolest things that uh, people get to do after they accept Christ. Because when somebody gets baptized, that is their public proclamation that they have put their faith in Christ. Baptism is symbolic in two major ways. First, it's symbolic of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. When someone goes down under the water, it's symbolic 
of the death of Christ and his burial. When they come up out of the water, it's symbolic of the resurrection of Christ. But simultaneously, it's also symbolic of what's happened in their heart. When someone goes down in the water, it's symbolic of their old nature, their old way of life dying. The water is symbolic of the blood of Christ washing away their sins. And when they come up out of the water, it's symbolic of their commitment to live a new life in Christ. Now, none of that actually happens when they're baptized. All that happens when they accept Christ in their hearts. But baptism is a public proclamation of an inner commitment that they have already made. Nobody's ever been saved by being baptized. We're baptized because we're already saved. And it is our public statement to anybody who's watching, friends, family, anybody there, that make no bones about it, that person is now a follower of Jesus Christ. Man, I absolutely love uh, seeing people celebrate that fresh start that Christ has given them, uh, especially with their family and friends. I mean, it is just an amazing moment. We have a baptism next Sunday afternoon, a week from today. If you're a Christ follower and you've never really celebrated that fresh start that Christ has given you, what are you waiting for? I mean, now's the time. Celebrate it. Celebrate it with your family and your friends and, and with your kids too. They can get baptized and celebrate as well if they become a Christ follower. I mean, make it an occasion to remember I mean, Matthew's banquet served the same purpose. I mean, he was celebrating joining God's family, and he didn't want that moment to pass by. In the same way, don't let your fresh start, your new life in Christ, go uncelebrated. Get baptized. There's another thing we can do to stop viewing ourselves as outcasts. It's your next fill-in. Look for opportunities to let God use me to reach people no one else can. Look for opportunities to let God use me to reach people no one else can. All right, let's go back to Matthew's party and uh, pick up the story there. Let's see what happened next. Luke 5, 30 to 32. Some Pharisees and some teachers of the law who belonged to their group complained to Jesus' disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and other outcasts? Underline that, tax collectors and other outcasts. All right, let's pause right there. The Pharisees, the teachers of the law, they were kind of the religious experts, the church authorities, and they were not very happy about a lot of aspects of Jesus' ministry. They just didn't understand why he was always around like sinners, outcasts, lost causes. They were just baffled by this. But look at how Jesus responded to their question. Let's pick up again in verse 31. Jesus answered them, people who are well do not need a doctor, but only those who are sick. Underline all of 32. I have not come to call respectable people to repent, but outcasts. Dang. I mean, he blew their mind with that answer. I mean, I can almost picture the Pharisees, their jaws just dropping when he said that. You know, and, and to actually appreciate the fullness of his answer, we have to understand that word repent. Um, actually, go ahead and circle that word repent in verse 32. Uh, that's one of those kind of churchy words, you know, repent of your sins. It's like, what does that really mean? We, often we think it just means kind of stop doing something, but it means so much more than that. Uh, the, the idea of repentance is this. It's that you have a complete change of mind. But that's not all. That change of mind leads you to change your life. And so the image is this, that you're headed down a path 
and you, you change your mind and you're thinking about something and you do a complete 180 and you're now on a totally different path. That's what it means to repent. It's a 180 degree turn, a completely new life. And that's what Jesus' message was in verse 32. Look, he had a purpose for these so-called outcasts, okay? He wanted them to repent and to change their lives and to follow him. And that's what Matthew did. He didn't just like accept Jesus' love and like keep living his life the way it was. No, he completely changed his life and followed after Christ. And because of his past, he was uniquely positioned to reach other outcasts like himself. I mean, why do you think he had that party? I mean, he was celebrating what Christ did for him, but he also wanted to share Christ and share the good news with everybody he could. I mean, Matthew was positioned to reach people nobody else could because of his background. And Christ wants the same for you. He's got a purpose for you. He wants you to have that change of mind and do a 180 degree turn and just grab as many people as possible and take them with you. And you are uniquely positioned because of your life, because of your past, to reach people that only you can. And believe me, there are people who feel like outcasts and lost causes all around us. Even if you don't personally feel like one today, you know somebody who does. And you are uniquely positioned to reach people. And so you've got to look for opportunities to let God use you to reach them. You know, maybe in your past you felt like an outcast because you struggled with some sort of addiction, but God delivered you from that, and so now you're uniquely positioned to reach people who are struggling with some kind of addiction in their life. Are you looking for opportunities to do that? You know, maybe in your past you were just ruled by your anger. You, you had no self-control, and you just laid waste to any relationship in your life. But God changed your heart, and you're a totally new person, and now you are uniquely positioned to help people who struggle with that very same thing. Are you looking for opportunities to do that? Maybe for years, you were just opposed to God. You were cynical about the church, opposed to God. Maybe God's not even real. You're just angry about it. But Christ changed your life, and you're totally new. You've had that fresh start, and now you are uniquely positioned to speak to people who are now in those circumstances. Are you looking for those opportunities to do that? Maybe for a long time, you felt like an outcast in church. You just felt like you were not good enough. But you've learned now that it's not about you being good enough. It's about how good Christ is. And because you know that, you're uniquely positioned to help people who feel that same way now. Are you looking for those opportunities? They're all around you. Look, you're not an outcast in God's eyes. He's got a purpose for you. He can save you, heal you. He can use you and your past to reach others. I want you all to look at the top of your message notes, the very first thing that we covered today. That list of disciples where we first saw Matthew, Matthew the tax collector. Who wrote that list? Matthew wrote that list. That same tax collector who was a complete lost cause, an outcast. Years later, he wrote the Gospel of Matthew, the first book in the New Testament. And did he cover up his past? No. Did he try to whitewash the fact that he had been a tax collector? No. He deliberately put it in there, and it was his way of telling everybody, look, if Christ can save me and change me, he can do the same for you. That was his way of doing that. And think about the influence Matthew has had. Billions, that's with a B, billions of people 
have read Matthew's words through the centuries. Billions. When Jesus saw Matthew sitting in that tax collector's booth, he had big plans for him. And he's got plans for you as well. Because in God's eyes, you're not an outcast. Your family. Your family. So what I want you all to do is to go ahead and pull out your connection card and let's take some next steps. How about this first one? I will make a list of all the things that make me feel like an outcast and right next to each one, God loves me no matter how I feel. God loves me no matter how I feel. It's a great first step. That's you. If you feel like an outcast, a lost cause, do that this week. How about this next one? I will pray the prayer to become a Christ follower for the first time in my life. If you have never responded to the call that Jesus has put out there, like Matthew did, he loves you, he's waiting for you. Just pray that prayer today. I'm gonna give you a chance to do that in a second and uh, receive that fresh start that Christ has offered to all of us. How about this next one? I will celebrate the fresh start that Christ has given me by getting baptized next Sunday, March 23rd. Check that box and we'll send you information on what that looks like. And hey, if you, ch- if you check the second box to become a Christ follower for a first time today, if you're gonna pray that prayer, check this one too to get baptized because in the Bible, when people get saved, they get baptized like right away. You can absolutely get baptized and celebrate next week. How about this next one? Sign my student up for the next Sunday's baptism. If you've got uh, a kid or kids that are in sixth to 12th grade, uh, write their names down and they can participate next Sunday's baptism as well. Check that box, we'll send you information on what that looks like for them. How about this next one? Sign my kid up for the first step class on April 13th. That's fifth grade and under. If you've got kids in that age range, check that box, and the first step class is kind of the way that we talk about baptism and its significance with our kids. You get to participate as parents, and we partner with you as a church uh, in this great moment in your kid's spiritual life. So check that box, and we'll send you information on what that looks like. How about this next one? I'll look for opportunities to let God use me to reach people no one else can. There are people in your life that only you can reach. You're going to start looking for those opportunities? Check that box. How about this last one? I will memorize Luke 5.32. I have not come to call respectable people to repent, but outcasts. It's a great reminder. Check that box. Memorize that verse. All right, here's what I want everybody to do. Everybody in this room, bow your heads. Right now, everybody bow your heads. I'm going to give you a few moments to spend some time with God. If you're going to pray that prayer to become a Christ follower for the first time, this is going to be your chance to do it. Everybody else, I want you to think about the message and what God has been teaching you today and the next steps you've taken. And just pray that he changes your life and that he helps you to follow through on the next steps that you've taken. So take a few moments now and do that.
Heavenly Father, we thank you that you don't view us as outcasts. You don't view us as lost causes. Father, that you love us. In spite of however we might feel, in spite of whatever we think about ourselves or what we think other people think about us, that doesn't affect the fact that you love us. And you have proven that in your extravagant offer of salvation through your son, Jesus Christ. You've shown us how much you love us. And I just pray, God, that the truth of this message and the passages we've looked at would just stay with us, that we would not revert to a place of feeling like we're outcasts and we're lost causes and that you would never love us, that we would not believe those lies, Father, but that you would remind us of the truth, that you love us deeply, you know us, and that you have plans for us and a purpose for us. Help us to always remember that. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.